0: Understandably, people pay a lot of attention to Supreme Court nominations. But a president's ability to nominate judges to the lower federal courts carries the possibility of reshaping the predominant philosophy of the entire federal judiciary. President Trump uh, has about 120 vacancies open right now in the federal judiciary and a Republican Senate that's likely to confirm his nominees. So he has an opportunity to make a lasting impact on American courts. Here to talk with us about how the president seems to be approaching judicial nominations for the federal judiciary are Jonathan Adler, a professor at Case Western Reserve Law School, and Billy Corrier, deputy director of legal process at the Center for American Progress. Jonathan, the president is said to be on the verge of nominating about 10 judges for federal positions on the judiciary. And uh, the way he's approaching it, conservatives probably should be happy with the way he intends to go. Isn't that right?
1: Uh, Certainly. Uh, The names that have been identified are all incredibly well-respected and incredibly well-qualified lawyers and jurists, uh, people that have demonstrated uh, their commitment to the principles of the rule of law and their uh, intellectual acumen. Um, They're the sort of folks that uh, conservatives who care about the courts uh, would want to see.
2: Billy, how much of what, of what Jonathan just said would you disagree with? Uh, you know, based on this list, uh, uh, you know we're, we're still learning about some of these people, but it looks to be a very well credentialed, well qualified uh, people that that Donald Trump is nominating.
3: Well, I mean, I agree uh, that I think conservatives will be very happy with this list. Um, I'm not sure that I would describe all of the nominees as extremely well-qualified. Joan Larson, for example, has very little experience as a judge, um, but she actually appeared on Trump's uh, potential – list of potential Supreme Court nominees. Um, But she's only been on the bench since 2015, so that's not a lot of experience.
1: She had more, has more experience as a judge than Elena Kagan did uh, when she was nominated to the Supreme Court, more experience uh, uh, probably as an attorney before Elena Kagan became Solicitor General. I think if we compare the qualifications of these nominees to appellate courts to the qualifications of people that have been confirmed unanimously over the past 20 years, uh, they're comparable or or they exceed the qualifications we would expect. I mean, you know, we if we apply the standards we usually would apply. Uh, I don't think there's any basis to question the qualifications of, of any of these potential nominees.
0: Well, Jonathan, the you know one of the things that was kind of interesting and mm-hmm. unprecedented about the way President Trump uh, approached the Supreme Court nomination that ended up as with Neil Gorsuch was that he had he put out a list that seemed to come predominantly from uh, you know, what looked like the Federalist Society, uh, you know, and, and sort of, he had, it felt almost some, to some people, like he had outsourced who he was going to judge, who's going to pick for a Supreme court judgeship. How, what's the process as far as we know about how he's come up with his list for the lower courts?
1: Uh, you know, I think this president like. Presidents generally uh, seek the advice of people that are experts in the field uh, when trying to identify uh, potential judicial nominees and also seek the input of the senators from other relevant states, particularly when we're looking at district court nominations. Uh, I think that's what's occurring here, but uh, that's what what often occurs. We know that during the Obama administration, uh, the Obama administration was influenced by the views of outside groups in deciding to nominate some individuals over others uh, and, and and also was influenced by uh, home state senators. I don't think there's anything unusual about that. I mean, when, when we elect a president, we, we certainly pay attention to the sort of person that we think that that, that president is likely to appoint to the judiciary. Uh, but we don't expect the president, him or herself, to, uh, on their own, be able to come up with a list of qualified uh, nominees. We assume that they will uh, rely upon uh, experts and, and their staff to help them with that, just like they do for all, all sorts of policy matters.
2: Billy, isn't there something to that? Do you see any uh, fundamental difference between the way Donald Trump is approaching judgeships and the way Barack Obama or George Bush or any other recent president did?
3: Yeah, I believe so. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of that question that – <clears throat> the president explicitly said that he's outsourcing his Supreme Court nominee list uh, to the Federalist Society and to Heritage, and, and that's unprecedented. Um, you know, not just the list, but having these outside groups actually draw up the list. Um, and I think also, um, you know, the president has disregarded the American Bar Association's historic role in this process, and that was something that, of course, uh, President Bush did as well. Um, but I think it's something that shows that uh, the president is relying on these right-wing groups rather than. Uh, the American Bar Association, which historically played a big role in uh, recommending or not recommending nominees.
0: Jonathan, given the number of judgeships that are open right now, how big an impact really can we expect President Trump's nominees to have as far as how the law gets interpreted in the country for the ne- over the next 10 or 15 years?
1: Sure. Well, in terms of numbers, it takes a long time for a single president. Uh, to really alter the composition of the federal courts. As a general rule, we can assume that a president in a single four-year term Will get to uh, nominate about one fifth of the federal judiciary, and so a two-term president has a very substantial impact. And, and President Obama, for example, when he took office, uh, there was one federal appellate court that had a majority of Democratic nominees uh, on it. When he uh, became president, when he left, I believe it was seven or eight that had uh, majority Democratic nominees. Um, for President Trump, um, there certainly are a decent number of, of vacancies now, uh, but there's only one federal appellate court um, that could that could. Have its balance altered based on existing vacancies, uh, and that's the Third Circuit, uh, and it would take time and additional retirements uh, for his nominees to have.
0: President Trump made it clear that he intended to nominate conservatives to the Supreme Court, and he did so when he nominated Neil Gorsuch, who is now on the bench. Now, he's starting to nominate judges to the lower federal courts, and the list of his first nominees is solidly conservative. With about 120 federal judgeships open, there may be an opportunity for President Trump to move the federal judicial system overall to the right. We are talking about the president's judicial nominations with Jonathan Adler, a professor at Case Western Reserve Law School, and Billy Corrier, De- Deputy Director of Legal Progress at the Center for American Progress. Billy went... Barack Obama was president. Uh, the Republicans in the Senate slowed down a lot of nominations. There were a lot of negotiations mm-hmm. about what to do about it. And eventually, to make a long story short, uh, the Democrats got rid of the uh, judicial filibuster for courts below the Supreme Court. Um, can we expect that the Democrats now facing a Republican president who seems to have a philosophy about how he's about putting conservatives on the court, do, can we expect them to be trying to fight? these nominations in the same way that the Republicans slowed things down back in the uh, Obama administration?
3: Well, I I mean, I think um, the the big difference is, of course, that the Democrats are in the minority, um, so they don't have the power to... You know, determine when candidates or nominees are uh, brought up for a vote or not. Um, but I think that you can't expect them to take a hard look at the records of these judges. Um, and I think that for the home state senators, uh, where these uh, nominees are coming from, I think that they'll uh, they'll particularly take a really hard look at the records of these judges and decide whether or not they can uh, they can support them.
2: Jonathan, there are ten names on on this list, first reported uh, by the New York Times Sunday night. Uh, which, which names there sort of jump out at you, either as somebody we might be talking about as a Supreme Court nominee in the future, or who might uh, just become a you know a leading voice a, as a federal appeals court judge or a federal now. district judge for that matter.
1: Well, sure. I think two two of the names, uh, Justice David Strauss, who's a Supreme Court justice in Minnesota, and Justice John Larson, who's a Supreme Court justice in Michigan, were already on Trump's list of 21 potential Supreme Court nominees. So uh, assuming they are both seated on federal appellate courts, uh, I would think they would continue to be the part of any discussion should we see an additional Supreme Court vacancy. Uh, I think... uh, uh, Professor Amy Barrett is someone who one would uh, think would become part of that discussion as well. I mean, she is an incredibly well-regarded academic, incredibly thoughtful and intelligent, um, uh, with a really an impressive record, um, uh, a former Scalia clerk. Uh, I would, would not be at all surprised to see her as part of that discussion as well. Um, Uh, And I think all of the appellate nominees are people who not only have qualifications, but are the sorts of people that one would expect to write uh, influential opinions uh, and to have an influence uh, on their circuits um, and their
0: colleagues. Billy, if the Democrats think that there is, let's say, one of these judges who is potentially getting set up to be put on the Supreme Court, um... What kind of and given that there's no filibuster anymore for this, what, what kind of tactics you know you mentioned the home state senators are going to look closely at them, but what kind of tactics can we expect Democrats to try to mount when they think somebody's really going to be a problem? From their well I mean I think
3: sure the um, I mean there is a a century-long tradition of requiring home state senators to sign off on nominees from their states. Um, Chairman Grassley has respected this process in the past, and I think that that's an opportunity for Democrats in those states to really make their feelings known. Um, there are Democratic senators in Michigan and Minnesota, where David Strauss is from, uh, who I think uh, might have something to say about the records of, of those two nominees.
2: Jonathan, we have only about a minute left or so, but I'm, uh, I'm interested... Um, are we inevitably moving towards a world, or maybe not inevitably, but are we moving towards a world where we're going to have Republican judges and Democratic judges? It seems as though uh, both sides are getting better and better and the Trump administration proved uh, quite proficient at selecting uh, people who are, are you know, likely to agree with their party on, on issues going forward.
1: I actually think the end of the filibuster for judicial nominations could actually have the opposite effect. I think it will make it easier uh, for presidential administrations of both parties uh, to select people who uh, have not only sound judicial temperament, but that are intellectually independent and are willing to uh, apply independent judgment. They'll be less likely to feel they have to pick stealth nominees who have worked their way up through the party process and and party organization, and more willing to uh, pick people that have really just demonstrated uh, excellence. I think that means the range of experiences we could see from nominees uh, will increase, uh, and I think over time it will actually lead to uh, a more diverse and, in many respects, less partisan judiciary.
0: Our thanks to Jonathan Adler, a professor at Case Western Reserve Law School, and also to Billy Corrier, deputy director of legal progress at the Center for American Progress, for being with us on Bloomberg Law to talk about uh, the first batch of judicial nominations to the lower federal courts that's going to be made by President Trump.